0: Today's scripture is Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had only a daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had the discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately the discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, master, The crowd surround you, and you are pressing in on you. And Jesus said, someone touch me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him declared in the presence of all of the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, "'Child, arise!' And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given for her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what happened. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word."
1: So our, our text this morning, uh, as you will probably assume, addresses faith. Uh, although we've we read verses 40 through 56, Uh, There's going to be a part one and a part two uh, to this passage. And so this morning, we're mainly going to focus on verses 43 through 48, uh, which is the woman with the issue of blood. And so that being said, uh, again, our our passage this morning addresses uh, faith. It's not hard to understand. There's not a whole lot of interpretive challenges here. It's very straightforward. It's a story. There's Jesus and there's this woman's faith. And so while this, this text is, is clear before us, I find that this week I've been really challenged in faith. More importantly, to, to examine my own faith and to ask the question, do I believe as this woman believes? Would, would I have the faith to, to act in the same way that she did? I remember uh, growing up in my, in my church uh, in Mississippi and my cousin He would teach Sunday school, and each Sunday, this was like the teen, the youth group, he would ask us two questions each week. He would ask us, uh, how many of you believe God can do anything? Everybody would raise their hand. And then the second question he would ask, how many of you believe that God can do anything for you? And not as many hands would go up. And that is the question of faith. Do you believe that what God has done for others, he would also do it for you. This is the question of faith. This is the question that that we find this lady answering in the text this morning. Hebrews 11.1 gives us the Bible's definition of faith. You've heard it before. It tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction or evidence of things not seen. And so it's interesting to... ...to dive into why that definition shows up in the book of Hebrews. And if you want to learn more about that, there's a Sunday school series going on right now in the book of Hebrews. Our brother Chris Shepard is leading that, and I'm sure he's doing a great job walking through Hebrews. But Hebrews 1 tells us what faith is. But the question I had this week as I looked at this passage is, where and how? How did this woman get this type of faith? where does her faith come from? Jesus makes the incredible statement here that her faith made her well. So the natural question for us should be, how does she get this type of faith? Where does faith in Jesus come from? I think it's amazing for us to to give attention to where God placed this woman and the town particularly she lived in. So this woman lived in Capernaum, and this is the place where Jesus performed many miracles. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place you almost could call it the city of miracles. And I'm reminded of something that Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verses uh, 26 and 27. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. He says, And he made from one nation one of, of, man, of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is not, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Is this not what we see in this woman's faith? That God placed her in Capernaum. Why? That she should seek Jesus. That she should press and feel her way towards him and find him. And you see, we, we've been walking through Jesus' encounters with people in the in book of Luke. Capernaum was where the friends with the, the paralyzed man, they tore off the roof of the house to get him to Jesus. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law in Capernaum. Jesus cleansed the man with the unclean spirit in, in Capernaum. This woman found herself in a city surrounded by the works of God. So I want you to think about your position in life. God's placed you here, in and around East Point, Georgia, for what purpose? That you would seek him, that you would feel your way towards him and find him. Can you see God working in your midst? In our church, this morning, God is working in our midst. And if you're wondering how, like, what is, I don't see it. What is God doing in our midst? I challenge you to get involved in the life of this church get involved in the lives of the people in this church and as you do that you'll begin to see what god is doing all around you basically what i'm what i'm trying to say here is that your faith in jesus can grow by being around god's people and hearing what he's doing in your midst the question of how we get we get where she's in capernaum she's in a city full of miracles the question of how this woman found her faith can be found in the Synoptic Gospels. It's helpful for us that we have three accounts that give us kind of a multifaceted approach to this story. And so you, you read in Mark 5:27, what we find is that she believed the report of the Lord. Ron, Ron Cannoli has a song that asks the question, whose report will you believe? There we go. There we go. There we go. We shall believe in the report of the Lord she believed the report of the lord his report says she was healed you help today. amen amen you help today. when she heard the report of the lord what did she hear i believe she heard what john what jesus told the, the disciples to go and tell john go and tell john what you've seen and heard from luke seven twenty-two. the blind receive sight the lame walk Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. Jesus. And we don't know what specifically she was, she was given as a report, but whatever she was given, she believed it. And just think, for this woman, for 12 years, she's had bad news of, of this issue of blood. Imagine what it must have felt like for her to now hear that there's one in her midst, in her town, that could actually put a stop to this. And so this is why giving an answer for the hope that you have is important. We have no clue what those around us are dealing with. It might be that God has placed you in this church, in your school, in your job, in your neighborhood, wherever you find yourself, that you might give an answer to the hope that you have in Jesus. So someone might hear that there is a Lord that heals, and they might have faith through your testimony. This is consistent with what we find in Scripture. Romans uh, 10 and verse 17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This woman heard of Christ by word of mouth. The word of mouth gave her faith to believe. Since I'm seeing and hearing these miracles in my my town, I got to find Jesus. Jesus. So the question for you is, do you need faith this morning? Do you want faith this morning? And then the better question might be, whose report are you listening to? I find that it's hard to have faith in the Lord when day in and day out we don't visit his word. It's hard for us to keep the faith when we only hear the report of the Lord once a week. We might, we might claim to be believing God for the impossible... But yet, if we never read how God has done the impossible, we won't have faith. Sometimes I know if you like me, if you like me, you you just need to hear how God is blessing people so that you can be reminded that God is still in the blessing business. And so if we want faith like this woman, we can't have it apart from soaking ourselves in the word of God and placing ourselves around God's people. And so the, water, the word of the Lord is the foundation of faith in Christ for two reasons. First, the word of God informs our faith. Yes. It reminds us that faith isn't blind. A blind faith is no faith at all because you, you have to know what you're trusting in. Faith is an informed, uh, inf- you know, it's, a, it's an informed faith. It's not a blind faith. And so if we're going to trust Christ, we got to know who and what we're trusting in. And then secondly, the word of God helps us to keep the faith by reminding us of our need for Jesus. I want us to know and understand this morning that faith like this woman had does not come easily. The truth of the matter is, if we're honest, without struggle and and hardship and suffering in life, we don't come to Jesus. That's That's just the truth of the matter. And so we find in this woman's faith there's a desperation that drove her to Jesus. She, she needed him. It wasn't just, I, you know, I heard about him. He's nice. Maybe I should follow him. She needed him. Right. And so as we think about our circumstances in life, it's, it's hard to stay sharply focused on Jesus when the bank account is well, when everybody's healthy, when everything's going good in life. It's hard to stay focused, focused and sharply um, attentive to Jesus because the cares of this world will drive us away from him. This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 10 in verse 23. How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And so certainly when we see the life of this woman in Luke 8, she was desperate. And so for us this morning, I want to examine three aspects of this woman's faith, three uh, descriptions of her faith that I think can apply uh, to our lives. I also want us to pay attention to the to the growth and the trajectory of her faith. Her faith grows throughout uh, these verses that we we find this morning. And these three aspects of her faith are a discreet faith, a demonstrated faith, and a declared faith. Again, a discreet faith, a demonstrated faith, and a declared faith. So first we find that this woman has a discreet faith. What we what we find remarkable about this story is that her healing wasn't scheduled. Jairus comes to Jesus. He's seeking the healing of his daughter, and Jesus is on his way to Jairus's house to heal his, his daughter. And from that point on, the crowds come in and they press Jesus, hoping to find another miracle in their midst. But as we just read in Acts 17, God placed her there for the right moment to be healed. There was no one calling out to Jesus on her behalf uh, to come to her house for healing. And this woman likely was rejected by society. In Luke 5, we, we saw the faith of, of those friends removing a roof to get their friend to Jesus. And what we find here is that no one, no one cared enough about this woman to come to Jesus and ask him to heal her. Where, where was her father requesting Jesus to come and heal his daughter? And just like the man amongst the tombs from last week, this woman was not acceptable in society. And so in order to solve her problem, she searches for healing. Verse, uh, uh, verse 43 in, in Luke 8 says that though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. So she spent all she had searching for healing. And we do the same. We spend all we have searching for wholeness. And I don't know the, the, the credit situation of her time, but we actually take it a step further. We go in debt. We spend what we don't have hoping to gain what we could never buy. And what she learned from searching and spending was that not only money cannot buy happiness, but money can't buy healing. And What we find in Mark, uh, Mark 5 and 26, it sheds more light on the situation when it says that having su- had suffered, she had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And so not only was she not healed, Mark says, but he says that she suffered much under uh, many physicians, which, which should suggest that there were botched procedures medical malpractice instead of healing she was dealt harm and over the span of 12 years this woman was left with nothing and no healing and what was worse than that was the fact that she was likely very lonely because of her health problem and her nonstop bleeding levitical law required that she be uh, considered unclean leviticus chapter 15 verse 25 reads If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of the discharge she shall continue in uncleanness. As in the days of her her impurity, she shall be unclean. And So this woman for 12 years was consistently, all the time, unclean. If you, if you read the rest of Leviticus 15, basically the summation of it is everything that was around her was unclean. Everything she touched, everywhere she sat, everywhere she lay, any, any people that touched her, she couldn't be around anyone. And so this forced her into, into isolation. And so the question comes, how would she find healing? She was an outcast to, to society. She found no hope and healing in the Roman society And because of Levitical law, she had no access to Jesus, nor his people. So she found herself between a rock and a hard place. But while she was broken and alone, she hears of one named Jesus. The good news of Jesus produced faith in her where there was fear. The good news of Jesus was music to her ears. As Ephesians 8 tells us that, our faith is a gift of God, so it was with this woman that the gospel of Christ was a gift to her, producing hope in her heart. And so now she has faith. She's heard the report of the Lord. She, she hears that there's healing available, but for her, she had to be careful. For this discarded woman, in her mind, she needed a discreet faith. As we see, as we read through the gospels, there was someone else that had a discreet faith, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, came to speak to Jesus by night. He too exhibited discreet faith. He feared what his pharisaical brothers would think of his coming to Jesus. And so a discreet faith, no matter how small or incomplete, is faith nonetheless. And so for you this morning, if you feel like you need discreet faith, if you want to have faith in Jesus Christ, but you're embarrassed because of what your friends might say, if you're embarrassed to come to Jesus, and, but you want to believe, have a discreet faith. It's okay. Start where you have to start. A discreet faith is faith, nonetheless. And so we see in this woman, she wanted to come to Jesus, but she knew because of Levitical law and because of her issue, she had to do it secretly. And so Matthew 9 and 21 records for us that she gave herself a pep talk. She talked to herself and says, For she said to herself, If I only could touch his garment, I will be made well. She was convinced of the fact that, based on the report of Jesus and these miraculous healings, that he had enough power that if she could just touch his clothes, she would be healed. And with everyone around, she knew she had to, she had, I mean, just imagine, she probably thought about this for days. It wasn't just, you know, I hear of Jesus, let me, let me find him and, and touch him. Like, how can I actually get to this Jesus, get the healing, but not be seen because they, they think I'm unclean. Like, she's working this out in her mind. How, like, how can I get to him? And by the grace of God, she's like, if I can just touch his clothes, that will be enough for me. And so as we move through this, through this passage, we see her discreet faith now grows into a demonstrated faith the discreet faith that this woman had in order to obtain healing had to manifest itself in demonstration. For James says, faith without works is dead. And so again, in Hebrews 11:1, the definition of faith is that it is the substance and evidence of or conviction of things not seen or hoped for. Meaning that when you have faith, your actions must match the confidence that you have. And so when you read Hebrews 11, commonly known as as the Hall of Faith, what you find is that each person acted by faith. This is the challenge for faith for us this morning. It is by faith that you act. It is by faith that you live. It is by faith that you obtain the blessing that is yours. And so the greatness of Hebrews 11 is that the writer describes faith, and then he gives you example after example after example of how people applied their faith. So for this woman, no matter how great or small her faith would be, it wouldn't be faith at all without demonstration. So she talks herself into rushing into the crowd that is almost about to crush Jesus to touch his garment. Now, I usually wouldn't recommend watching a TV or a show that depicts the Bible because personally, I think a lot of them put images in your head that aren't true. So so I typically wouldn't do this. But I think watching the chosen, and watching the scene. Yeah, I see you back there, Titus. Titus, Titus loves the chosen. So, But watching the chosen, and watching their scene where they depict this woman with the issue of blood, I think they, I think they get it right. One of the things that, uh, that struck me about that scene was that she's watching Jesus in this crowd move in front of her, and she's giving herself a pep talk. She's saying, just the fringe, just the fringe, just the fringe. She's She's giving her faith a pep talk. Like she's, she's forcing herself. There's my healing. It's right there. I have to find a way to get to my healing. And so again, I, I, you know, I commend that show to you. If not for anything else other than that scene. Um, but to think of this, that for her, for her to get to Jesus was impossible socially. And in that moment, it was impossible physically. How difficult might it have been for for just a man to break through this crowd and to get to Jesus? And here we have a woman who is sick and bleeding constantly trying to get through this crowd to see Jesus. I love this, what we see in her, because what we see is a demonstrated faith, but it's also a faith that's relentless. For her, Jesus could have been behind a brick wall, and she would have found her way through that brick wall to get to Jesus. What we find in her faith is that her faith didn't just say, well, I'll wait till tomorrow. I'll I'll see I can't get through the crowds. I have to wait till tomorrow. Her faith was a relentless faith. The presence of Jesus, the sight of her healing right in front of her, grew her faith to press through the crowd. I would say that she had a Jacob-like faith, We think of Genesis 32 and 26. We see the story where Jacob wrestled with the Lord. And it says, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Again, this woman's faith is a vivid depiction of faith described throughout the scriptures. For what we know about faith is that a relentless faith soon becomes a rewarded faith. This is what we find in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, the parable of the persistent widow. And reads, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For while he refused, Justice to them speedily. He says, speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? What we find in this demonstrated and relentless and persistent faith of this woman is what Jesus says. Her faith was rewarded, her persistence was met with his power. In verse 44, it says, immediately the discharge of blood stopped. Now imagine for this woman, she spent 12 years, spent all her money, was worse off, and now all of a sudden, just by the touch of, of Jesus' fabric, she has free healing, no debt, no, no follow-up appointments, no medications, no, no trips to the pharmacy, free healing in Jesus, immediately. I can just imagine, just, the, I mean, just yeah. Yeah, no words can describe what this woman felt in that moment to know her healing had been found in Christ. And what we find in this woman's faith is that she had confidence that what Jesus had done for others, he would do for her. This is, again, this is what faith in Jesus looks like. Faith is this two-way relationship of knowing the report of Jesus and acting upon the knowledge that you have in him. Faith is a response to who Jesus is and what he has done. And so Jesus, now knowing who touched him, begins to ask questions. We need to always remember, if Jesus asks questions, it's not for his knowledge, it's for our knowledge. And so Jesus asks why, uh, Jesus asks the question, who touched me? And then what Jesus does next is again to grow her faith in him. By Jesus, by Jesus exposing this woman, he grows her faith from discreet to demonstrated to now to being a public faith. Jesus makes what, what was to be a secret declared to all, and Jesus aids her in declaring our faith. So this is our final point. Jesus helps her to declare her faith to all. And this woman, she wanted her faith to be discreet. She wanted healing, but she knew she had to do it in a secret way. And so Jesus asked again the question, who touched him? then we find Peter, who is usually the spokesman of the disciples. He speaks up again, and he's like, Jesus, I I don't get it. We're we're almost crushed by this crowd, and you're asking, who touched you? And Jesus responding to Peter says that he felt power come out of him. And although the crowd was about to crush Jesus, there was one that day that touched him, not with fingers, but with faith. Everyone was pressing Jesus, but only one that day pressed into his power. And in acknowledging this touch, Jesus wanted to make this faith known. This is so, good. so in verse 47, we see that this woman, realizing that her faith was no longer a secret, came to Jesus a second time to give her testimony. This is amazing. While Jairus' daughter was dying... Jesus called for this woman to give an account for the faith she had in him. Jesus does this for two reasons, I believe. This is, he does this for her to confess and for, her, for him to, con- to claim. Jesus brings her forward for her to confess and for Jesus to claim. First, we look at Confession. So Jesus calls this woman forward that she would confess that she touched him. But in doing so, she would be making a public profession of her faith in Jesus. Her faith needed to come out of the closet. And this is important for us to know that it is no shame in having faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus might, distort, might start as discreet, but it cannot remain discreet. Faith in Jesus must be known publicly, and we find this in Romans 10, verses 9 through 11, where it reminds us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, re- and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And So what Jesus does for this woman is to complete her faith. She had believed in her heart, the report of the Lord. Her faith was rewarded. She was already healed. But she had no opportunity to make that faith public. And although she was healed, she still felt the condemnation of society. So consider this. She had enough faith to believe that Jesus would heal her. But perhaps she struggled to believe that she could be restored to society. And so we see we see this in how she comes to Jesus. The scripture says she comes to Jesus trembling oh because of the combination of those around her, because of the, the 12 years and the reputation and the, the loneliness and all the suffering. Even though she was healed, she still had this trembling of knowing what, you know, what others in society thought of her. And so this woman comes forward and tells her story of her hope in Christ and how it was rewarded again it's, it's 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 encouraging for us to see that jesus rewards a trembling faith whether your faith is discreet or, or trembling or however small it is it's faith that jesus rewards and so jesus grows her faith to now be in a public profession of faith and then next what we see is that jesus wanted to claim her yes, praise you. she was now healed but she was still known as everyone around as the one to stay away from. Jesus, in bringing her near, wants to restore her to society. Just as we read in Romans 10, which demands that our faith become public, one question you might have is why? Why do we have to make our faith public? Why, did, why can't it just be me and Jesus? Why can't I just watch the live stream at home, You know, read, read the scriptures, pray, listen to the gospel music, and it's just me and Jesus. Like, why do I have to make my faith public? Well, I think what we find to the answer to that question is what Jesus says to her. It's significant that the first words that Jesus says to this woman is daughter. He calls her daughter. For 12 years, this woman hasn't had a family for 12 years she was a nobody and jesus calls her daughter Jesus' words here are words of claiming he's claiming her to the kingdom what jesus says to her and this is this is amazing he says to her my father will now be your father because of your faith in me See, the reason, we, the reason we must make our faith public is because there are no orphans in God's family. Today. To be saved is to be a part of God's family. There are no orphans in Jesus. There's no one alone. Regardless of what your reality is, if you are in Christ, you have a family. And that's what we should be experiencing in this church, in this life of believers. We should be, we should be experiencing family. And with one word... Daughter, with one word, Jesus restores her and claims her. This woman, she came bleeding and alone, but she left healed, and because of Jesus, she gained a family. So, Jesus, again, this is consistent with what we find in scripture. Jesus is showing us who his family truly are. In the same chapter, if you just look up or scroll up, if you're on your device, Look at Luke 8, verses 20 and 21, what we see there. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of the Lord and do it. Jesus setting the the stage here to say, my family is not those that are through flesh and blood, but are those through faith if you're wondering what what this word of the Lord is and how we should obey it we look at John chapter 6 verses 28 and 29 then they said to him what must we do to be doing the works of God Jesus answered them this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent we look at John chapter 1 verses 11 and 12 he came to his own and his own people did not receive him But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So Jesus again restores this woman to society and claims her as part of the kingdom of God. And so you may be hearing this and, and thinking, I have faith. Yet my faith hasn't made me well. I've believed God for healing, and that healing has not come. And when I think of this, I think of a man by the name of uh, Justin Peters. He's a a quadriplegic, and if you aren't aware of him, he's made a ministry of exposing the error of those of the word of faith movement, of those uh, faith healers who essentially put the weight of their healing on those uh, that need the healing where they proclaim if only you have enough faith if you have the faith you can be healed and so that that, that causes some tension for us this morning jesus's words to to this woman was woman your faith has made you well Now we're not going to say jesus's word isn't true but what does that mean for us where we have faith and that faith hasn't yet been met with healing Sorry to leave you with a cliffhanger, but that's for next week. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what Pastor Phil is going to touch on next week. <laughs> but this week, this week, what I want us to, to hone in on and what has challenged me this week is to, to take the roof off of my faith, to blow, to blow the walls off my faith, to, to blow the doors down of what I think God could do and to believe and have faith in him. Like, that's, that's why I, I believe God is pressing in on us this morning, to believe that he can do anything, to really believe, and then to act, to demonstrate that faith. And so that's why I, I hope what we are encouraged with this morning is that we would have confidence to believe in a report of the Lord. Yes. Believe, act, and live upon verses like what we find in Romans 5 and 6 through 8 where it says for while we were still weak at the right time think about this even in the context of this lady at the right time god placed her there for her healing at the right time christ died for the ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die but god shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners christ died for us this is the report of the lord believe it, act upon it, and your faith will be rewarded. Let's pray.